Mexico. And, uh, and really, my goal for the, this morning is uh, to challenge all of us to, to this whole week of prayer and fasting that's coming up uh, in, uh, what, a week from, from, month, from tomorrow, and specifically to these five days of prayer walks that, w- that I, I plan to do and hope that you'll join me around our town uh, gathering at 6.30 at, at Kind Coffee. And I'll talk to you a little bit about this as we go. But uh, I don't know what God wants to speak in your life. Just be ready for Him to speak and uh, let Him do His best work. But I have to give a word of caution as we approach this text today because we're really confronted with some really difficult questions. In fact, uh, more questions than, than we could ever answer, okay? And it's very challenging because what this is today is a picture of God's judgment, and we don't like this very well because, I mean, frankly, you know, when I was a kid and I heard the Battle of Jericho, I got all charged and I got all fired up. But, but, but now we're in this, uh, such a uh, politically correct culture and so sensitive and everything, and, 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 and we need to be, we need to be, but we have a hard time grasping what's transpiring here in the scriptures. So God help us to really try to understand who he is and all this, but I think questions that we'll be confronted with are questions like these. Is God just or is God unjust? Do I trust God? And in that, do I trust his judgments? Going on, will I seek to define God by my limited understanding of him or will I seek to understand him as he is? Am I going to put God into some kind of God box that's been fashioned into my brain? Or will I approach him objectively based on the historical and credible prophecies and information that we have about who he is, the history of God in the Bible? And am I aligning myself with God in life? Am I aligning myself with God or am I defending myself in God's presence. Okay, let's consider these things. Now, picking up verse 1, and I have to comment on verse 1. Now, Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So last week and and, in all the weeks, I think the word melting has showed up. We know the people of Jericho are melting in fear. The people of Jericho, they're talking about how God is helping the Israelites, how he led them miraculously through the, the Jordan River at flood stage. They're, they're panicked right here. Jericho is one of the oldest cities in civilization today. It still exists. You can walk among the old ruins of the old city. In fact, there's evidence of 20 uh, civilizations that, that lived in that area back to back. And when we think about this, the, the, the fortified walls for which it's so well known, we might get a picture, bigger picture of what it is, but, but the walls themselves, based on the, the records that we can see there, because you can actually walk among those ruins, as I said, only encompass an area of about seven acres, okay? So it's a relatively small fortified area, which says that most of the citizens probably lived outside of the walls of Jericho. Okay, and and this is really common. If you've been to Moscow, if you've been to St. Petersburg, if you've been to 
Prague, these are places I've been, so I can tell you it's true, that there is a fortified section, a walled section to these cities, right? But the population has expanded outside the walls. So when you read here in the scripture that it's tightly shut up and no one's going out, no one's coming in, it means everybody within reach of that, that city that claimed that city for their homes has come into the city gates, they've crammed in there, and the gates are closed, okay? They're scared to death as Israel is, is approaching. So let's go on, verse 2. Then the Lord said to Joshua. Now, you might have a disconnect right here, but you shouldn't, because if you'll recall, uh, last week in the teaching, we met the commander of the Lord's army, right? Remember that? And I told you the commander of the Lord's army was a theophany. It was a Christophany. It was an appearance of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the appearance, uh, is uh, the, the commander of the Lord's army is a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus. Okay, very important because Jesus is still appearing to people today miraculously, causing people to come to faith, according to what I'm reading about how God is manifesting himself in countries that haven't heard about the Lord. So we have to believe that the Lord is able to show himself. So the one who's speaking right here, right now, is the commander of the Lord's army. Because if you remember, Joshua said, what message does the Lord have for us? Okay, so here's the message now, okay? He says, the commander, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets and uh, these are those jebels that I talked to you about, okay? So these priests are carrying these jebels in front of the ark, okay? So what's happening here, the jebel is the word from which we get the word jubilee. There's a, a victory celebration going on as they're approaching their enemy. They're claiming land that the Lord has promised them. And friends, we need to claim future glory because there's going to be a jubilee, okay? We need to have that jubilee in our hearts. But there's a day when Jesus is coming back. We're excited about that. It's a day of new territory. It's a celebration. Anybody get excited about that at all? Yeah, you better believe it. I sure do. All right, going on there in verse 4. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the people give a loud shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. So Joshua, son of man, right here, he calls the priests together, tells them what the commander of the Lord's army has said. He calls the people together, gives them the same message. Then going to verse 10, he, Joshua adds his own words. Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout, okay? And there's speculation as to why Joshua wanted to add in these words, tell the people to be quiet <laughs> until I give you the shout. And some of that speculation has to do with you know, maybe he didn't want a bunch of idle chit-chat going on. And every time I've walked with a group of people, you know, that there's this idle chit-chat. And even though somebody says, you know, don't say a word, there's still this little buzz going on. Or maybe he didn't want them to say a negative word. What in the world are we doing walking around this city? Why aren't we fighting these people? Okay? He didn't want them talking like this. And, and we need to imagine, we need to get a picture. I mean, it had to be a crazy sight. Just get a picture of this group of people approaching this walled fortress, and all they're doing is walking around. And in fact, if you understand the structure of this, this starts in verse 6. 
There's one armed soldier in the front. <laughs> There's seven priests with these jabels. Okay, this is you know front lines here. One soldier armed, seven priests with jabels. Then priests carrying the ark of the covenant. Doesn't seem like a good war strategy to me. <laughs> Maybe it does to you, but it, it sure doesn't seem that way, way to me. But this is God's idea. You know, and then you read this and you wonder, so what's going on with the people of Jericho? I mean, if it's just priests leading the way, then why aren't they taking advantage of the situation and starting to kill these people? Well, it's evidence that they're scared to death, that they don't know what to do. Yet again, what I find fascinating is they're trying to protect themselves from what God is doing instead of trying to figure out how do we align ourselves with what God is doing. And that just comes up again and again. It just blows me away. So the application here, and, and this has to do with the bizarre nature of war that we see here, and that is if God tells you something to do, if he tells you something he wants you to do, no matter how crazy it seems, no matter how unconventional it may seem, do it. Okay, because God will never be glorified if he's limited to our methods. Okay, now, I, I, I've seen some crazy stuff done in the name of the Lord, and I want to tell people I think you missed God on that one. <laughs> so get confirmation with the Lord, you know. Uh, again, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean out in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him so you're conversing with the Lord and let him direct your path. If you're moving out of anxiety or fear, God's probably not in it. If you're moving out of sheer emotion, God's probably not in it. So pause in his presence to say, God, are you sure? <laughs> okay, I'm going, but if I'm missing this, I hope you'll put on the brakes here. You get this? You with me? All right. Yeah, anybody do anything stupid and say, whoops, I thought I heard the Lord on that one? Yeah, okay. Well, in verse 2, this commander of the Lord's army says, See, I have delivered Jericho in your hands. And he's having them in that uh, fashion blow these victory horns. So what's going on here is the battle has already been won. The enemy is already a defeated foe. Jericho is defeated before they even begin to march on it. And as believers, we need to recognize that we're involved in a real war, okay, but the enemy who's, who, who's in opposition to us and who hates us is a defeated foe, okay? The Bible says things like this. This is 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, where it says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And that's what he did. And friends, we need to walk forward like we believe it. Okay, almost with the, the, the Jobel in our hands and sounding the trumpet of victory because the victory is ours. We'll talk about that a little bit more before we wrap up, but I want to go on in our text. I'm going to jump ahead to verse 15 because so much of this is redundant, okay? Verse 15, Joshua 6. On the seventh day, the people of Israel got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring 
about your own destruction by taking any of them. I need you to see three things right here. God does not want them to take anything, any devoted thing from Jericho. Next week, we're going to meet a man who disobeys this, and we're going to find the consequences of his actions. So somebody heard this and disobeyed it, just like we know things about the Lord and we disobey them. But I need you to see three things here, okay? First, notice that he says, the person who does this will uh, bring about his own destruction. Okay, we read that. Then if you read on, he says, otherwise... You will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. So see what what he's talking about here. Your actions not only will affect you, it will affect all of us. Okay, very important. No one sins alone. We go on verse 19. All the silver and gold and the article of bronze, articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into the treasury. So the plunder of Jericho is consecrated to the Lord. Later on, they're going to fight other battles where they get to keep the plunder, but here they give the plunder to the Lord. This is a biblical concept that we see over and over again. Uh, some people want to say that first fruits offerings are about legalism, but they're not about legalism. They're about liberty, okay? Before the law was ever given, People were giving a tithe on all that God had given to them as, as a statement of faith, that we recognize where it all comes from, and so therefore we're giving it to the Lord. And God blesses this, okay? So I just want you to see that, that here at Jericho, that all of the plunder, all the wealth is to go into God's business, okay, right there. And I make no apologies for that. It just comes up in Scripture again and again. Verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, The people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so every man charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword, and this is where we have trouble now. I want you to see this, because I'm really honest here as your pastor. I want you to see right here that uh, they, they devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. And I really want to emphasize this. I want you to notice it says men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother and brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. So we've got to put a little bookmark right there. I'm reading this text through because it has so much value here. Rahab the prostitute was spared. Okay, I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit more as we go on here. But Rahab the prostitute was spared. This is a heathen woman, right? Non-Jew. Very important. She will become the great-great-grandmother of King David. She'll marry a man named Salmon, who is a Jew. That'll be the line to King David. And as you know, 
King David becomes the line to our Savior, Jesus Christ. She became an ancestor of the Messiah, Rahab, the prostitute. Very valuable in this teaching. Just want to emphasize it strongly. Verse 26. At that time, Joshua pronounced this solemn oath. And this is a curse. You know, at the end of service, I love blessing you. I don't ever want to do this, okay? (laughs) And I promise you, I have it. I bless you, and I want to continue blessing you. But look at this curse. He says, Curse before the Lord is the man who undertakes the city Jericho, undertakes to rebuild the city Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son will he lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest will he set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. That, my friends, that last little part, that curse, is actually a prophecy, okay? And it's a prophecy that will be fulfilled several hundred years later under the reign of the wicked king, a king named Rahab, or Ahab, excuse me, not Rahab's our lady that we're dealing with, Ahab, okay? If you check it out in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 34, you will find there a man named Hael. And he will set out to rebuild the exact walls of Jericho. And as he's laying the foundations to the walls of the city, his eldest son will die. And when he sets the city gates in place, his youngest son will die. How did Joshua know this? He's walking with the the commander of the Lord by his side. God is telling him all of this stuff. It's a prophecy of my friend Every prophecy of the Lord will come true, and I just love to highlight them, these, these things happening as, as we come to him, come to them, excuse me. So this is our Bible text for this morning, okay? That's, that's, this is the section that we need to work, and there's still a couple of things that we need to talk about. And I told you, there were, you know, I highlighted those. I said, we'll come back to that. So this is the time for us to come back to these things. And I think the first thing we need to come to is the problem with this passage, okay? And the problem is a problem of holy war. The fact that every living thing was killed here. We're talking about young and old, and we've somehow decided in our own brains who's going to be saved and who isn't going to be saved, and this gives us a picture of God's judgment, and we don't like what we see here. But first off, keep in mind that the Old Testament is a picture of judgment, Okay, the wage of sin is death. Okay, that's what it is. And for these people to go in and conquer other people in the name of the Lord, that was a specific application of God. Okay, now it doesn't justify justify other horrors that have taken place, like the Crusades. Okay, because the Crusades and the period that we live in right now. This is the day of salvation. This is the day of God's favor. This is the day of God's grace. So no one has permission to go about slaughtering people groups. But in the Old Testament, God's applications of judgment we see here like in places like this. And it becomes very, very difficult for us to fathom. So I need to ask you a few questions. Does anybody here ever have trouble with God's judgments? No, you accept it perfectly. Okay, right. Okay. Does anybody ever struggle with the question of, is God just or is God unjust? Okay, it brings us back to the questions we started with. Do you trust God? Do you seek to understand God for who he is? 
or are you going to understand him based on some way you've been told to understand him or convinced yourself to understand him? Will you put God into some kind of God box that's been fashioned in your own brain, or will you look at him objectively according to the historical records and, and accept him based on that? Because there are those who look at this, they look at the city of Jericho, and they conclude that God came on the city without warning. And there's nothing that could be further from the truth. First off, we have Rahab, okay? And I want to talk about her just a little bit more in a moment. But others in that city, if they'd have gone to Rahab's house, where God's protection and covering was offered, they would have been spared as well, right? So Rahab is, is a good example for us right here. And I think the application in that are you recognizing what the Lord is doing in our world today? Can you see it? Can you see prophecies unfolding? And what is that causing you to do in relationship to him? Are you trying to defend yourself in his presence? Or are you seeking to align yourself in his presence? That is so important. And listen, God gave Jericho every possible opportunity to have aligned themselves with the Lord. 40 years earlier. What happened 40 years earlier? God led the children of Israel out of Egypt. He led them across the Red Sea. Word about the spread. People were talking. God is helping the Israelites. And they started walking in fear, right? 10 days prior to where we are right now, God led the children of Israel through the Jordan River miraculously it was that flood stage right he stopped it and let them walk across on dry ground word about this is getting out they know it's happening they're they're talking about it and they knew it was the lord they're melting in fear problem is they're not aligning themselves and here we have rahab she's the exception right but then seven days Seven days walking around the city? Why seven days? Why seven days with one soldier? Why seven days with, with seven priests with victory horns? Why these priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant? Could it be God saying, I'm giving you seven more days to repent? Instead of tucking down like Adam and Eve did in the garden and hiding from God in your little fortress, somehow thinking you're going to be safe? Come out. And surrender, right? God gave them plenty of time. And I think here we need to remember that God didn't choose Israel to demonstrate favoritism. He chose Israel in order that they might be a testimony to all who would see it that God will bless anyone who will align themselves with him. Believe Believe, and here we have the city with intense adultery and all these evil practices going on. Hear me, friends. Jericho was a stronghold of rebellion against the Lord. A stronghold of rebellion. Evil ran so deep. The, the picture of it would have been like this. If God had allowed anything, any living thing in Jericho to live, it, it would have been the equivalent for you going in for cancer surgery and you come out of the cancer surgery and you meet with the oncologist and he says, everything went great, but your cancer cells, you know, they look kind of nice, so I decided to leave a few of them in your body. How would you feel about that surgeon? 
Huh? Would you go back to him? Would you recommend him? No, there's no way. And so that's what's going on right here. God is raising up a holy people. He knows how deep he needs to cut in order for the surgery to be effective, and he's going to do it. And we've got to trust him. Down the road, Israel's going to pick and choose. God's going to say, I want you to take care of this group of people, and they're going to say, no, we're going to do something else. And it's going to get them in big trouble. In fact, historically, it has given them big trouble. My friends, God is judge, but that's not what he loves. He wouldn't be a good God if he wasn't just. If you want to know what he really loves, what he really loves is extending mercy. He really loves extending pardon and forgiveness. And what we need to recognize is the second coming of Jesus looks very much like what we see right here at Jericho. In fact, talking about how long it's taking for Jesus to come, because here we are in the last days, people are saying, where is this coming that he's promised? And right here, uh, Peter says this. He says, the Lord is not slow at keeping his promise As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Somehow the people of Jericho thought they could defend themselves against the Lord instead of aligning themselves with the Lord. And we've got the same problem today. We want to think we can build big enough walls. I hope my resolve is tough enough. I hope my walls are thick enough. I hope God understands that I'm good enough. And do you know what the problem is? We want God to hear what we're saying instead of us hearing what the Lord is saying. And and there we take on the whole tone of Satan who has messages like this. God doesn't have my best interests in mind. God cannot be trusted. Surely there's more out there than what God is allowing me to experience. And that's where we get messed up. We need to align ourselves with the Lord. But the good news in this story today is that somebody believed. Rahab believed. And the same is going to be true at the coming of Jesus Christ. People are coming to faith. right? I'm convinced that if there had been a revival in Jericho and the whole city... Had, had repented right before this attack, the whole city would have been spared. I mean, we see it, right? Isn't that what the book of Jonah is all about? I mean, Jonah didn't want to go preach to those Ninevites because he knew what would happen. And he preached, the c- coming judgment of the Lord is at hand. He's going to wipe you all out. They all repented and God spared the city. See, that's the way God is because what he really loves is giving mercy. The Lord is not slow at keeping his promises. As some understand slowness, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You, he's patient with you. He doesn't say with us. He doesn't say with some. He says with you. Right? He's patient with you. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to come to repentance. That defines the spirit of God toward the city of Jericho, and that defines the, the, the God's heart toward you today. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to come to repentance. Well, what are you doing? Are you hiding from him? Are you putting it off? Right? Are you hiding behind these walls, these man-made walls? Walls, or are you being like Rahab and you're saying, man, God's working. I've got to get on the side of God because Christianity is the only battlefield in the universe where surrender means victory. How about you? 
How about you? Have you personally seen God's hand at work in the world? How's it affecting you? Is it putting you on the defense? Are you trying to justify yourself? Or is it causing you to align yourself with him? Have you come to a place of saying, God, I've been going my own independent way. I see where it's getting me. But today, I I hear what you're saying. And I want to come your way. I want to go your way. I want to turn around. I want to learn what you have for me. And if that's where you are, I want you to pray this prayer. Uh, This is a prayer that I just wrote out. You don't have to have these words because God understands the desire of your heart. And you can pray this prayer right now, okay? So if this expresses where you're at, then you let the Lord know it, okay? I'm just going to read it. Dear Lord, I give you glory and I give you praise. I see today your hand at work. And right now, I want to agree with you that I've been hiding behind walls. And I need to come out and embrace what Jesus did for me on the cross. So right now, I turn from going my own independent way to walking in your way. Come into my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the plans you have for me. And thank you for giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, and if you prayed that prayer today, I would encourage you to tell somebody. In fact, right over here at this prayer banner, there's some folks who'd like to meet you after service, and they'd like to hear you tell them your decision today. They'd like to pray with you and share with you. But I would encourage you to get baptized. I would encourage you to find a group of believers to do Bible study with so you can grow in this new relationship. Awesome, awesome. Today is the greatest day of your life because it's the day when you're coming home to your Creator through His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, I'm not quite done yet. Sorry about that, but I'm excited about just a few more things, okay? First, I have to talk about this matter of conflict in the Christian experience because there are some who want to say, and I used to sing the songs, I used to love to sing the songs of how Christianity is just this honky-dory experience. Happy, happy, happy. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. No problems. Everything is carefree. La, la, la. I'm living in paradise today. Makes me want to puke. (laughs) Please remember that Jesus was very clear that there was a spirit of Antichrist at work in the world. In fact, he said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would have loved you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So what I need you to understand is that the moment you align yourself with Jesus Christ, you've disaligned yourself with all of his enemies, okay? They don't like you. They don't like where you're at. But the take-home here is twofold. Number one, the commander of the Lord's army is with you. And number two, the victory has already been won, okay? So God wants to use you in some great ways in this fallen planet. But we need to understand we're engaged in a very, very real war. We don't take up swords against people. We're just hated because we have good news about God's promises of a coming kingdom. I also want to take you back to verse 16, where Joshua commands the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. And though Joshua gave that command, it was really God's idea. It wasn't Joshua's idea at all. It was God's idea. And though today he hasn't sent us forward with swords, He has sent us forward with the good news of his kingdom. And friends, we need to shout because God has given us 
the city. I love Jesus' words, his final words to his followers, and it's his words to us today. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the very end of the age. The victory is ours. So in light of this teaching, I need your help. On March uh, 10th through the 16th, I'm calling for a week of prayer and fasting. And I'm asking you to be a part. Max, love to have you be a part with your three times a day prayer. How you fast, that's between you and the Lord. I mean, there's been seasons when I fasted the entire seven days of nothing, just water, okay? There's been other times when I fasted three days. Sometimes I've just fasted 24 hours. Sometimes I've fasted from something specific. I know a person right now who's fasting from all media, okay? What you fast from, that's between you and the Lord, okay? But I'm asking you to join me for the seven-day period, and specifically, I'm asking you to join me 6.30 each weeknight, 10th through the 14th at Kind Coffee, right? The, the park right next to it. And from there, we're going to just peacefully and quietly walk up the river and then come back down uh, Elk, Elkhorn. Yeah, it's the name of Main Street, <laughs> whatever that is. And we're just going to believe God for our town. And then afterwards, uh, we're going to gather. And I don't know where yet. We're still trying to figure out specifics of location. But we're going to gather for a time of worship. We're trying to find a place inside right downtown gather for a time of worship, and then uh, some more prayer. And we're, that's how we're going to wrap it up. I want you to be a part of that with me, just claiming God and asking God to give us a heart for our town as well. Now, some of you are saying, well, if the weather's bad, I can't handle it, so can I just join you for that worship and prayer time? Absolutely, okay? Some of you are physically unable to walk that distance. Can I join you for the worship and prayer? Absolutely. We'll let you know where as soon as we know. Others, listen, there's young families in our church who are saying, I'd love to be a part, but what do I do with my kids? And if you are so compelled to help with the kids during this thing, then just write that down on your response card and hand it to me after church today because I want you to be a part. But the main thing is we're going forth with Jobels, with victory horns. We're not going to have legitimate horns, real horns, okay? But we're going forth claiming new territory that God has already given us. Amen? Walk in victory, my friends. I know it's hard, but you're here on short-term assignment. He is coming again to establish everything that is already his, and you're a part of that victory. And there's many, many Rahabs who still need the Lord. You are his messenger. He hasn't chosen a favorite when he chose you, but he's chosen you as an example to the world of what God will do for anyone who will put their trust in him. Glory? Glory to God. Can we give God praise? Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, if someone has made that decision for Christ today, I pray that you'll just help them to come and talk to these who are gathered for prayer. If anyone needs prayer, that they might come and join them. But thank you for this word, Lord. Thank you for the victory that you won on the cross. We celebrate that victory. Teach us to go forward in this victory. In Jesus' name we pray.